0: hbcprayerlist at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to list 2020 at gmail.com.
1: Good evening, Hillside Church family and guests. We're glad that you're with us tonight for our Wednesday evening podcast and thankful that you're listening to the program tonight. And it's my prayer that there will be blessings for you because of it. We're going to continue our study through the book of Jeremiah, and we're going to be looking at chapter 21 tonight. I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. Jeremiah chapter 21, verses 1 through 10. And we're looking at the subject of false faith. False faith. Huh. What could be a false faith in Jeremiah's day? Well, this is what the Word of God says in Jeremiah chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent Pheshar, son of Melshah, and the priest Zephaniah, son of Masahil, to Jeremiah, asking, Ask the Lord on our behalf, since Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is making war against us. Perhaps the Lord will perform for us something like all his past wonderful works, so that Nebuchadnezzar will withdraw from us. But Jeremiah answered, This is what you are to say to Zedekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I will repel the weapons of war in your hands, those you are using to fight the king of Babylon and the Chaldeans who are besieging you outside the wall, and I will bring them into the center of the city. I will fight against you with an outstretched hand and a mighty arm with anger, rage, and great wrath. I will strike the residents of the city, both men and men, and beast. They will die in a great plague. Afterwards, this is the Lord's declaration. King Zedekiah of Judah, his officials, and the people, those in this city who survive the plague, the sword, and the famine. I will hand over to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, to their enemies. Yes, to those who want to take their lives, he will put them to the sword. He won't spare them or show pity or compassion. But you must say to this people, This is what the Lord says. Look, I am presenting to you the way of life and the way of death. Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine, and plague. But whoever goes out and surrenders to the Chaldeans who are besieging you will live and will retain his life like the spoils of war for i have turned against this city to bring disaster and not good this is the lord's declaration i will be it will be handed over to the king of babylon who will burn it down father we know that these are sad words that were delivered by Jeremiah to the people, to the king especially. And Father, help us as we analyze this tonight that we might understand what was going on, that we might see what was taking place in the city of Jerusalem. And Father, I pray that you would help us that we might understand some of these things that would be beneficial to us in our day and time and that we might not be rebellious of what you want to do in our lives. I ask your blessings on those that are listening and we ask it in Jesus name, amen. I'd like to take you back for just a few moments to uh, the first church in Jerusalem. We find there that believers were sharing whatever they had to meet one another's needs. Barnabas had sold some property and gave the money to the apostles to distribute. Notice the pra- uh, noticing the praise he received, Ananias and his wife Sapphira decided to do the same, almost. You see what they did, they gave part of the money that they received from sale of property, but they kept back the rest. And they told the church and the apostles, that they had given all of it. Because they lied to God, they were both punished with death. This is found in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through chapter 5 verse 11. God hates hypocrisy. Ananias and Sapphira pretended to be generous but were not. Similarly, King Zedekiah appeared to be full of faith, but he wasn't. He had a false faith. He rebelled against Babylon in 588 B.C. And he incurred the wrath that Babylon could bring against them. You see, he came to uh, Jeremiah expressing full faith in God, but he wasn't putting his faith in God. You see, he had rebelled against Babylon as he was encouraged to do so by Egypt. And we find that Nebuchadnezzar came with his army, camped on the outside of the walls of Jerusalem, and besieged that city for a good period of time. We find that Zedekiah sent his emissaries to the prophet and he, they were expressing hope in God's past wonderful works. Did you notice those words? So that they could have victory over Nebuchadnezzar. This is found in verses 1 and 2. Weren't these steps of faith? No. You see, this was his idea, Zedekiah's idea, not God's. There'd be no change in the king's heart, in response to any of the messages that Jeremiah had brought. He should have repented. He should have turned to God, but he didn't. Therefore, there was no change in God's answer. Judah would still be conquered by Babylon, verses 3-7 through tells us. There would be plague, famine, total military defeat, Even worse, it would be as if God himself were fighting against them. Ironically, Zedekiah's name means the Lord is my righteousness. But he didn't live up to it. As a group, the political leaders were primarily to blame for the coming judgment or the judgment that was upon them right then. This passage contains Yahweh's response to Zedekiah and This was during the last part of the siege in 587 BC when he sent this inquiry to Jeremiah. And he asked Jeremiah to intercede for them before Yahweh. Zedekiah's request was that Jeremiah, as the one whose prophecies had proved correct, would inquire on their behalf of Yahweh, with the hope that He will deal with them according to all His past wonderful works, and would be the Savior of Israel or Judah as in the past. The expression that Nebuchadnezzar with, will withdraw from us simply signifies that they were hoping He might stop the siege of Jerusalem. That was their hope. By the way, this is the first mention of the name Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Jeremiah. Even though he had been around for a while. Nebuchadnezzar had besieged Jerusalem, which yielded to him in 597 B.C. When Jehoiakim was replaced on the throne by Jehoiachin. That was when Jehoiachin was carried off to Babylon. Babylon with Zedekiah being appointed to the throne by Nebuchadnezzar. But now Zedekiah had also rebelled, as I said, encouraged by the Egyptians, and against the advice that Jeremiah had given. And this was why Nebuchadnezzar was once more at the gates of Jerusalem. Yahweh's sad message was that not only would He help not help them, but rather than making them victorious, He would turn their weapons against them. This is the opposite of what we find in Psalm 18, verse 34, where it tells us that God trains my hands for war. In other words, when they were depending upon God, He was helping them in the fight that they would have and would be there with them. In this particular instance, we find that He would, in fact, turn their own weapons against themselves or at least render them useless so that they would not be successful in their defense of the city this is perhaps a hint here of conflicts within the city as arguments arose as to whether they should surrender or not whether they should yield to nebuchadnezzar or continue the fight it's made clear that this stay at this stage nebuchadnezzar and his Chaldean or Babylonian army were outside the walls. They were seeking to break the walls down. Yahweh declared that he himself would be fighting against Jerusalem with all his power and might, with, as he says, an outstretched hand and a mighty arm. For his anger... His rage and his great wrath were leveled at Jerusalem. The three words are very expressive. Once starvation and pestilence had done their worst, struggle would all prove to be in vain. The end would come. Those who remained after the pestilence and famine and the sword would be delivered into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. Their enemy would take control. Those who sought the lives of the Israelites would be their masters. These words are deliberate, parallel, with Moses' words in Deuteronomy 30 verses 15 through 19, where he said, See, today I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. But it needs to be noted that there's no mention of good. Here it was literally stark choice between living and dying. He was not offering a life of well-being, but simply the stark possibility of survival for those who would survive the Chaldeans and surrender to them before it was too late. Now, as they looked at the Chaldeans taking over, them being defeated by the Chaldeans, I'm sure that they were thinking the worst, that they would be... Imprisoned, they would have uh, to serve the Chaldeans as slaves. But we find that as they actually went to Babylon, life wasn't too bad. But let's get back to our story that we're reading about tonight. God was presenting before them the way of life and the way of death, verse 8 says. Jeremiah presented the king with this familiar choice. They could listen and live or not listen and die. If they believed God, they should surrender to the Babylonians and save many lives. If not, they could keep fighting and pay the price. It's safe to say that many people who call themselves Christians today are not following the true gospel, the word of God. With God on our side, it. Let's pray for revival today for our church, for our nation. If we have ever looked at someone and thought that they were ruled by the devil, you might be right. This was what was happening with Zedekiah. You see, he wasn't ruled by God. He wasn't trusting in God, but he was wanting his own way. People are a lot more evil than we tend to think sometimes. Are they seasoned at what they do? Sometimes it may take us years to realize that these individuals really are evil. But it's not your fault. They are masters of manipulation. They take every advantage of people to get their way, to get things they want, to leave people feeling lost and broken. There are many of them out there, and you might be interacting with them on a regular basis. But you've just decided to label them as evil because of something that they've done, right? Here are some signs that someone you know might be an evil person. Take a hard look at ourselves, and we need to see if we're talking about us. If so, we need to ask the wonderful counselor to help us deal with this in our own lives and turn to him. Do we enjoy watching other people in pain? If individuals laugh at someone who has, uh, is suffering and are going through trouble, No one should look down on someone as they have pain and gain pleasure for themselves. I can't imagine this. Can you? They need to control everything, these evil people. They want to have their way. They will do everything they can to ensure they have it their way. At every turn, they are injecting their opinions and their actions to ensure that things go their way. The sec- this section of Jeremiah proceeds in logical sequence, although not chronological. And it centers on three specific terms. Firstly, on the fact that all hope for Judah in the short term has now gone. Secondly, That the promises of the false prophets suggesting that the current sons of David are going to be restored to the throne are false, invalid. And thirdly, that while final blessing is coming someday, this is not something that's going to happen immediately. The chapter begins by making clear that prior to the future coming of the exalted Son of David, the doom of Jerusalem under the present Son of David is certain and will unquestionably happen. This is echoes of what Isaiah prophesied, what he was teaching. Neither Zedekiah nor any of his current relations, Jehoiachin or Jehoahaz, Jehoahaz, you remember I told you, had been taken to Egypt. And Jehoiachin had been taken to Babylon. And Israel's hope was not in Zedekiah or either one of these other kings. You see, all was lost as far as Jerusalem was concerned. It was going to be taken over, God was saying, by the Babylonians. We need to ask God for a personal revival ourselves. Deepen our thirst for Scripture and for knowing Him and following Him to revive our nation and our churches. We need to pray to God to commend and Correct our churches so that they can be powerful tools in His hand today. That can happen. We're not without hope. And I know that God can bless our churches today if we allow Him to do His work in us. Unlike what Zedekiah and the people in Jerusalem were willing to do. Father, again, thank you tonight for the time together that we have the promise of your love and that you want to bless us as we follow you. You don't want us to rebel. You don't want us to be unruly as we live our lives here on this earth. And Father, I pray that your blessings would be upon our church. And upon all the people that are listening tonight, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 64386541, email at steverwood zero zero two at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.